They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Quick shout out to the newest patrons, Matthew McDonald and Rob B. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for the support. You guys are fucking great. Thank you for subscribing. There on the Patreon, you'll get exclusive content, post shows, extended outros, all 46 episodes of the Juan Hour of Former Podcast Mount, which there are some fire interviews on there, so check those out. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Kind of bummed about this episode because I was really looking forward to it, and we had some connectivity issues on either my end or Alex's end, but he's got some really great stuff at his podcast. I would really recommend checking that out, the Wisdom Tradition podcast. He's got a great YouTube channel where he posts a lot of videos and a lot of research-heavy stuff, which is right up my alley. But we'll have Alex back on to really get into it because the latency issue was just so bad. I'm going to scrap the video for this one, but I was thankfully I was able to salvage the audio. It's a little bit awkward because there is a delay. It was like a two-second delay when we were recording. So just keep that in mind. The conversation does get awkward on some parts, but it's neither of our faults is, again, the connection. So thank you so much for tuning in. See you on the other side. podcast with your host Juan Ayala welcome back to another episode of the one-on-one podcast I'm your host as always make sure to follow me on social media at the one-on-one podcast YouTube TikTok Instagram Twitter all that good shit make sure to follow patreon patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast rockfin.com slash the one-on-one podcast and today we have Alex with us from the wisdom tradition podcast what's up bro hey hey Juan how's it going thanks for having me on yeah, for sure, man. I came across your stuff when I was doing some research on, I like to call him Daddy Manly P. Hall because I've learned so much from him. And he's, brought, I mean, thousands and thousands of hours 
uh, and lectures and books that he's brought up. And I came across your Manly P. Hall documentary, which is funny because I had, I always, every now and again, I'll YouTube Manly P. Hall, you know, documentary or something. And yours came up like newer. I'm like, I've never seen this one before. And when I clicked on it, I watched it and I'm like, man, this is fucking <laughs> great. And then I saw like the channel and I'm like, oh, let me hit this guy up. And then I came across your stuff and you put out a lot of great content. Can you share with the listeners where they can find your stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have a website, um, alexsacken.com. That's my name. Uh, maybe you can put a link to it, but uh, A-L-E-X-S-A-C-H-O-N.com. And that has a link to uh, my podcast. Uh, which is where most people follow me. And then I also have a, a YouTube channel where I post video versions of the podcast and I have some documentaries and other visual based stuff. And then I have a, um, a sub stack where I publish articles. I just started that recently. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, but I have a sub stack and I also have a, a small e-store where I have a couple of publications for sale and uh, a little bit of philosophy themed uh, merch that I put together. So, um, that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing right now on, on all those different fronts. And, um, and the Substack is, uh, something, yeah, I started recently, but I have a, I have a, a kind of book that I'm writing and publishing serially. So I have an ongoing series that I'm doing that I'm going to be bundling together into a publication. So there's like a whole, um, a whole plan to everything that's being put out right now on the, uh, on the Substack. So if you're, if you're able to uh, check out that uh, it's the links on my site and you can follow me or subscribe to me and all that stuff is free. So. Yeah, I'll post the links in the description and I didn't know what a Substack was, bro. It's like a newsletter slash blog. Can you explain that? Because when you say that in your videos, I'm like, what the fuck is a Substack? Yeah, it's just a news. It's just a it's just a blog. It's like a Tumblr, but it works through email primarily. Um, so rather than go to like a Tumblr main page, you know, and follow people on Tumblr, you just go to someone's Substack page and you subscribe, and you just get the you just get their stuff sent into your uh, your email, and it's. Been, it's become popular with a lot of people because there is a subscription model that you can add on to it and you can do a, uh, like a paid subscription and, uh, but I don't have that feature added, but some people do it. Like you can do like a monthly thing. Um, but, uh, I've just found it like a, a good medium, a good medium to put out this, this project. So, so I can, I can put it out incrementally rather than do the overwhelming thing, which I've tried to do in the past and failed to do, which is like to write a whole thing at once. Mm-hmm. So this incremental method works better for me. So I, I it kind of unlocked the door. I've tried many times to write the book that I'm writing right now and never was able to figure it out and how to put it together. And then this kind of unlocked the key for me uh, because this process has been what I needed to finish what I was working on for a long time. And I see that you you do breakdowns of Manley's lectures and think, and you talk about philosophy a lot. What got you? I, I saw you went to school here in Florida. I'm from Florida, Central Florida. Where what got yeah. you into this realm of philosophy? Because I mean that's all that's a very you know I, I I'm a very big Pythagoras fan, and he was the the OG philosopher. You know at first. What got you down this path? And right. I see you have the full card there up on your wall, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, in honor of uh, our combo today, I wore my little penny T-shirt, uh, my old school little penny tee. 
the Orlando Magic was my favorite team growing up. Um, how did I get into philosophy? Well, I guess uh, through serendipity, when I was a, t- a teenager, I got really passionate about Taoism, actually, and uh, and the Tao Te Ching. I, I got a copy of that, and that's really the only book of like religious kind of scripture I ever really studied or have become like enthusiastic about reading firsthand. Like it's only like source material uh, that I've I really spent a lot of time with, but I really it's always been like really close to me and I've had like an intuitive connection to it. Um, and, uh, so that was my initial introduction to philosophy. Uh, but I, I also for a long time had a developing interest in science. And then, uh, after I got out of school, those things would, would merge. So they didn't really merge while I was in school. I was studying social sciences. That was like my, my, my passion is what I wanted to do in my career in. And so I, uh, yeah, I have a master's and a, a bachelor's in, in two different fields in the social sciences. And then after I got out of that, when I started to think about how I could apply social sciences to, uh, to having an, a constructive effect on society, like that's what I really wanted to do is like use science as a, a means to have a positive like contribution. As I, as I had I looked at the education that I got and I figured out how I wanted to apply it, I began to be, uh, more interested. I, I began to get interested in certain uh, like new lines of thinking in the social sciences, and um, and so that was like something that I, maybe it was like that meeting some of my early Taoism stuff. But there was something that was like leading me to go more and more into the underlying ideas behind the, the different sciences. And so I started getting into the philosophy of science, uh, and then. Uh, through that, I gradually ended up uh, studying. Um, th- now that was when really the Taoism formally mixed together, and I ended up actually studying Theosophy, just like like Blavatsky. That was like kind of the, my my intro to studying philosophy was just going right into Blavatsky because I you know I kind of skipped the whole Western philo- tradition of philosophy. I just went from Taoism right into you know, like esoteric philosophy, uh, other than like the philosophy of science, I guess that's the Western side of it. But I, I didn't really go into a lot of stuff that people are, are influenced by in this field. I kind of passed over and I've always had a much more like Eastern influence, I guess, going back to these like early Chinese influences that I had. So um, that's that's like how I, I started getting passionate. Uh, and then, um, you know, I started to see a chemistry between like the social sciences, like the kind of breaking edge ideas in that field and in, uh, and these sort of like fundamental ideas you find in esoteric philosophy. And that's when I, it kind of made me feel like I had a, a unique way to, to synthesize uh, like the ancient wisdom, which really Manly P. Hall personifies. And he, and he became like, for me, when I found him after Blavatsky, I found him and I was like, well, this guy's the master teacher. Like, like he's talking about all the same ideas, the same system that Blavatsky is, but he's he's unfolding it in a way that's like an absolute master. And and so I was like, well, this is the teacher. So I'm going to just study him as far as philosophy goes and try to understand his method. But all the while, I'm still trying to to come up with a way to repackage these ideas in the social sciences so that they'll fit with this esoteric framework. And that's ultimately where I'm trying to take all this work that I'm doing on the channel is to have this like kind of breakthrough uh, concept of uh, of a sort of new science that's based on the wisdom tradition. Can you explain for those that don't know what Taoism is? And that's different than from the Taoists, right? The 
the Chinese alchemy, quote unquote? Can you? No, that's the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, it's just you just pronounce the T with a D. Oh, um, okay. Well, you can say Tao. Tao or Dao is the same thing. I'm a fucking idiot. So, can you explain a little bit? Because I've talked about that particular <laughs> alchemical process before, where I like their version of the homunculus, where it's like this little golden man that is yeah. supposed to come and live for you for eternity, <laughs> versus the other, you know, the other. What is it? I think the right hand path, the ones that just fucking jerk off on everything and they make homunculus and you know cow vaginas and all this shit like depending on which grimoire you read because there's so many different ones can you talk a little bit about Taoism? because i I find it fascinating yeah sure uh well i I will say one thing um and we we talked a little bit about this a a minute ago is just uh, you know having a more eastern influence and a western influence i'm very grateful for that uh and i think it was definitely an advantage for me because the western tradition uh, has a lot of cloaks and a lot of concealment in it as part of, I think, like a defensive strategy almost uh, against this long history of persecution from the Orthodox Church. And in the East, in China, but this is all, and this is true of Taoism, it's also true of Buddhism, um, it didn't have that same active level of persecution. So the, the philosophy is more openly, it's more on the surface. I, I think it's more easy to understand. That's one of the reasons I've, I've been doing this long series on Mahayana Buddhism on my channel, uh, not long series, but I'm currently like involved in several episodes and several articles on Mahayana Buddhism because uh, for the reason that its system of philosophy, I think, is most clearly uh, demonstrating the, the main ideas of philosophy and does it in a, in a beautiful way. And I think that's even maybe more true for Taoism, at least in terms of like the main ideas, like the most simple ideas about what is Yang and Yin and the res- and Tao um, and these principles and like, what do they mean and, and how do we apply them? Um, and, and you can, you can kind of see the proof of the wisdom of these ideas. Just like if you've ever, if you've ever watched a video on YouTube of like a, a master of Tai Chi or something, there's like a innate wisdom to that way of moving and thinking and dealing with energy and um i've always felt that you know ever since i was introduced to, to the idea of tai chi or what that is i was like this is clearly a superior art you know uh and based on an advanced you know practice and um and so yeah the 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 basic thing with taoism taoism actually emerges like pythagoreanism does and like buddhism does they all emerge actually at the same time which is in the beginning of this period that i read a lot about called the axial age which is right around the fifth century BC. You see, this is called the, uh, a lot of people call it like the age of world teachers, but you see all across the world, this like global cohort of spiritual teachers arise in all the great civilizations of, of like across the world. And, uh, but particularly focused in Eurasia. Uh, and, and at the same time, even you have all these people simultaneously alive. And so uh, Taoism uh, is a system of philosophy that emerges from this figure named Lao Tzu. And he's the, He's the Chinese representative of this great like group of world teachers that emerged during this age, and uh, I guess I would say each each expresses like one common wisdom tradition and and different language and the language of the of the particular culture that they came in. But there is a common set of ideas that are shared by all. Uh, so that's the basic con- basic way that Taoism fits into a larger picture. Because I was studying alchemy. 
and you know trying you know deciphering the 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 history of alchemy and correct me if I'm wrong you probably know more about this than I do the Chinese side of alchemy is the side that we know least about correct where it's the one that we have the least amount of many scriptures and and records to back up um I'm sorry what was it, it kind of cracked out for a minute uh what was the question about the Chinese method the Chinese alchemy which is like Taoism that that's the one that we know least yeah the least amount of is that true um i i don't know if that's true there is a very famous manuscript actually that carl jung had uh was a, a, like famously commented on but it goes into in, in depth into the taoist uh for uh, alchemical approach to meditation and it is something that is uh it's called the secret of the golden flower actually oh yeah and manly hall has a has a a, a nice art nice article on that on that i mean he has a nice um yeah he has a nice article on that on that book actually he talks about carl Jung as well in that in that article but um uh yeah that's the uh that's the taoist approach i think that there there's a lot of i have a ton there's a ton of material i have on taoism that i've stockpiled up that i haven't had a chance to go into yet but i have some some books on taoist astrology which are very interesting and because uh, the whole Eastern approach to astrology is based on the, on the moon and the uh, and the North celestial um, zodiac, uh, um, so it is uh, it's 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 something that is not incorporated into the Western approach, but I think ultimately has to be. It needs to be synthesized in some way. Um, but yeah, there I think there is a there is some some knowledge about Taoism. I think that is now more present. I think in the West, it's not very well understood. But I do think the tradition is alive uh, in China. Yeah, I had heard. I forgot who I heard that from. I was again. I was doing research, and it was like Chinese. You know, we have this extensive list of all these alchemists throughout Europe and throughout the rest of the world. But then, like the Chinese alchemist, or maybe it might have been before a certain time. One of the people that comes up, obviously in Manly P Hall, that Mm. I've heard him talk about before, is Kobo Daishi. Do you know anything about him? Oh yeah, he. I think. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember a lot of specifics, but I believe he's the one who brought the um, the Zen approach to Japan, or founded the Zen school of Zen Buddhism in Japan. Perhaps I he found Shingon. I'm pretty sure he's involved. The Japanese. It's a form of Buddhism. the Shingon sect. Yeah, but but the story. Okay, yeah, I think that's Zen. The stories that they have of this character, this Kobodaishi guy, are crazy. Like the one, my, one of my favorite stories that Manly talks about with this guy was, you know, this idea that, you know, man is an incomplete creature, right? You know, you have Pythagoras, the symbolism of nine, you know, falls short of the ten. You have all that symbolism in there, Pythagorean thought, and this idea that, right, we're we're an incomplete creature and this guy would make there's a story that he was painting and and doing a sculpture in front of a of a temple it was of two dragons or he's finishing up one dragon and he did it so perfectly he was like finishing up this dragon and he did it so realistically that when he put the last drop of of paint at the correct area where this dragon looked real the dragon came to life because it was that perfect and he was ta- he was right. pretty much getting out like 
man has this power to, you know, bring forth life or whatever it is. But it's like, uh, it's almost like the Midas touch. If you touch everything and everything turns to gold, like eventually that's going to catch up to you. And you're going to eventually, you know what I mean? It's like this double edged sword where, yes, we have the power to, you know, animate life from inanimate objects, but it's like at what kind of cost? And I mean, I agree 100% with you when it comes to these Western traditions, because I've always said that I want to, I want to study like the Eastern esoteric shit. Cause that's where the real like French alchemist and all these fucking guys, bro, they, they were onto some shit. Like these guys knew their stuff. Like these occultists. I mean, look at Elephas Levi there. He was French. All these guys, all these alchemists, like they knew a bunch of shit. And one of the things that, that the reason that Eastern, you know, uh, jump started the Western was because in the Western, how you said there was this persecution of the church and everything that we see, even with religion, like when you have the Nag Hammadi library and the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nag Hammadi library is the scripture without the Roman filter. You know, it's, it's unfiltered. It's what, it, you know, it's what the, 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 the Assyrians and all these guys were writing like unfiltered, but then you see it through the lens, like the canonical version is a filtered version of the stories that were being presented to us. So how Manly says before the, you know, the old Testament and the, and the Bible it's an, it's encoded. It's a story that's encoded. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day where, there is a mystical aspect to the Bible, but the way they teach it is it's not, I feel like it's, it's, it's got like a different sense to it. Like if you look at all these other, for example, in Africa, you know, they, they, they're more spiritual, you know, they, they're more comfortable with, you know, what some people would call black magic or voodoo or, you know, there's a lot of these other countries that are more, more comfortable with spirituality and mysticism versus in the Western thought where it's like, Oh, that's too woo woo. Whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? But then at the same time, it's like freedom of, you know, freedom of religion. You can practice whatever religion you want, but then, you know, it's kind of, it's like a weird thing to try to explain. But me growing up Pentecostal Christian, I wasn't taught the Bible in like a mystical sense of the, of the, the text, you know what I mean? And I feel like it's, right. there, there is esoteric Christianity and, 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 and all this stuff, but I just feel it's taught differently, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The West the history of the West, the Western civilization has this whole level of political intrigue involved with empire, you know, like global empire and the, and the psychology and institutions that form around that. And it's taken, it's taken our, our own history and heritage and made a real mess of it in terms of trying to look back over uh, and, and, and figure out and kind of disambiguate what parts of Christianity are, you know, part of a, an older authentic tradition and which parts have been um, kind of put together, uh, you know, by less wise men over the ages, you know, since ways by various, you know, groups, um, so, you know, Christianity is, 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 is one of the ones I would say, like of all the different philosophical, I mean, religious and philosophical traditions, it's, it's one of the ones like I don't spend as much time on the details of it because I know 
uh, something that I'm sure you 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 know that it, it, you know it's very confusing the the symbolism in the in the Bible and and there's a lot of uh, a lot of blinds and like intentional kind of like misdirections and things like that and you just you don't find it to the same degree in the West. Um, so uh, you know, Manly Hall's the key to uniting that because he he'll give you the key to all the symbolism for the mystic Christianity. Uh, and Rosicrucianism and Gnosticism and all these uh, these other ways that you can kind of pick out the best parts. But for me, I just I don't have like a real intuitive connection to that level uh, or to that particular angle. Like like we were saying before, I, I like Buddhism, I like Taoism, I like Plato, uh, I like um, there's certain you know Hermeticism. There's certain traditions that I just have like a natural affinity to, so I tend to focus on those in my like in my work. And what do you feel that because Manly P. Hall talks about the Atlanteans a lot, and I know you've talked about them before. And do you feel that yeah. a lot of these religions that we talk about, because you said it was the axial age where all these teachers, a lot of people say some are real, some aren't. If you ask flat earthers, they feel like Pythagoras, Aristotle, Plato, and all these guys were all made up, you know, Socrates, whatever, that they were all made up figures. But do you feel that these teachers and all these stories that we get from Mesoamerica, you know, the East, the West, whatever, that it was some sort of single race of beings at one point in time? Because I feel like there, there's, there's a, we, all throughout history, there is a puzzle. And I feel that we have all the pieces of the puzzle through connected by all the ancient civilizations and religions but it's just jumbled up and you have the same figures all throughout history with different names that are being filtered. It's like a game of telephone since the beginning of time, since Mesopotamian times, right? Cause that's the oldest that we have. And from then on, you know, Sumer was the ones that really paved the way for the rest of all religions. And from there it started, do you feel like it was one set of beings? And then from there, they just made up all these different stories but it was from the same core teachings. Like how, what are your thoughts on that? So this is how I think it works. I think, I think like, first off the key for Atlantis for me is to start with the, the idea of, of mankind as one life, one macrocosm, one species as a whole that, uh, that whole collective is itself a kingdom of nature so let's think of nature has has seven kingdoms and one of these kingdoms is mankind and mankind is a whole and uh so within this wholeness um there is uh well let me just start that over atlantis was was a previous stage of evolution it wasn't just a previous culture is the idea that we were all once Atlanteans and like a reincarnation concept, like an earlier phase of humanity uh, was called Atlantean. And now in this current age, we're called uh, an esoteric philosophy called the, the age of the Aria or the Aryan, Aryan age um, as an Aries, the sign of Aries. Uh, so that is this idea that there's seven ages and uh, Atlantis was the fourth age and we're in the fifth age. So there's this idea that all things begin in Atlantis because Atlantis was this uh, a previous. It's like the Atlantis was like the missing link between like primitive Neanderthal humanity and today. There was this intermediate civilization uh, that was the temple builders, 
Um, but it was a, it was not it was not just a civilization. It was like a previous stage of humanity. It was a, a it was a different, slightly different psychological chemistry to the human being, and and a, and a different physical you know chemistry. And um, and the idea is that every so here we go again. You we were on the subject of Atlantis. We're having some technical issues, which yeah, the fucking archons are always at work. But I, I really wanted to make this episode work because I love your material. You were oh, on the you. topic of Atlantis, so how Atlantis? Uh, can you start from the beginning where it was an age in time? Yeah, not so much a civilization. Yeah, so um, so it's like. On one hand, it was a previous civilization, but uh, it, more than that, it was a, an earlier stage of humanity. It's the Atlantis is, is the missing link uh, between like Neanderthal man and modern man, um, and it's a it's a, a large span of time actually that this Atlantean civilization existed. But uh, you know, there were the pyramid builders, and you know, the majority of their civilization was wiped off the face of the earth. Uh, long ago and then the rest of it was uh kind of the legacy of it has been carefully written out of history um for you know you could look at maybe argue different reasons but you can definitely say that it has for sure been written out of history but now it's coming back in uh and people are realizing the the necessity and the very real uh truth that there was a global deluge uh, in 2000 bc and that there is a uh, an earlier age of mankind before then. Um, I mean, these are these are facts at this point, um, and they're they're a fundamental part of the esoteric like philosophical tradition. So um, yeah, this is all kind of being revealed as we speak. It's an exciting time. Do you? Because I mean, we know that the 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 i call them the, the reptilian overlords if they're actual lizards or not i don't know a lot of people always ask me if i really truly believe that there are lizard people i'm i'm sure there's something outside the realm of reality that is probably a lizard person but do you feel that why do you feel that it's been suppressed as far as because i've always said that we've lost this connection to the source right and i don't know I'm trying to recall if, if Manly P. Hall talks about this in the way that I that I interpret it, where, you know, back then you have all these, you know, you have the Library of Alexandria, you have all these philosophers coming out and and the origin of the philosopher was because at first it was sage, but the sage knows the knowledge and it makes no sense. You know, you have to learn how to walk before you can run. So according to to history pythagoras coined the term philosopher because philosophers are trying to obtain the knowledge and become i know you were talking about how uh, a lot of these civilizations they would automatically can you clear it up for me it was like automatically there were initiates before they went to adepts and and all this stuff can you talk a little bit about that because i know you were talking about it in your latest video yeah. uh, some of these schools just jumped into the initiate instead of the adept you talk about that a little bit yeah um well that whole tradition begins in atlantis so it's, it's good that we talked about that beforehand the whole idea of uh initiates and adepts and mystery schools uh origin the original version of it was in atlantis but in the atlantean form it was like the caste system to the extreme uh, in which 
in terms of upward mobility, it wasn't like it is in our current age. Uh, it was an extreme caste system. So there was a, a small group of elite that, uh, you know, hoarded uh, knowledge and then the rest of mankind was comparatively um, primitive, I guess you would say. But uh, so that it's out of that dynamic that uh, the Atlantis cycle ends. And then in our age, gradually that that polarity between the two is meant to be diminished. So the, 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 the gradual, uh, I mean, the overall body of mankind is intended to be elevated uh, in our current age, according to my interpretation. And philosophy is one of these institutions that is born in our age that didn't exist in Atlantis as part of this uh, project of elevating the collective body of mankind. Um, Interesting. So uh, the the initiate so the, the first philosophers were initiates like the founders of all these schools uh, like Pythagoras and um, Gautama Buddha and Lao Tzu in their own way they were all connected to the the mystery traditions of their society at that, that current time and they all existed as ambassadors I guess you could say of this mystery school. Because the mystery school existed in different cultures, but those are all different branches of one tree. Like it's one collective entity. And uh, uh, and so philosophy is intimately connected to this mystery school and its plans to elevate the, the collective body of mankind over the course of our age. Um, now, going back to the beginning of uh, Atlantis and the his mystery school, like where did the, the polarity between those who know and those who don't know, where does that um, emerge from? And in philosophy, you know, the, the idea with evil entities and things like that, we can talk about that in, in a minute, but it's, it's, it's like, that's framed as a relative truth. Like those things arise as a type of like karma body or as a consequence, uh, accumulated consequence of actions. You can have these like thought patterns or emotion patterns like manifest collectively. Like on a psychological level, you, you could say this is like the shadow, the collective shadow can, can, can mani- manifest in various ways that are tangible. And, um, and actually Carl Jung does a really interesting analysis of World War II where he looks at the shadow as being an explanation for the mass behavior that was going on. And, um, but uh, the, you know, in the esoteric tradition, the origin of this disparity, disparity this is something I'm actually currently writing on in this series that I'm doing in a series of articles and podcasts, it has to do with the Bodhisattva tradition uh, mixed with this idea that the world goes through various ages and, uh, and, and that the, the world kind of dipped into uh, uh, the Kali Yuga or, or an age of like spiritual uh, rel- relative absence, like it's relative, relative scarcity compared to other ages. Like this is like the, the, the age of materiality. So in some instances, everything that happened is, is somewhat destined by nature of the fact that we're in this Kali Yuga as part of a cosmic, uh, you know, process. But the beginning, the, the beginning of the myths always say that in the beginning, man, you know, the gods came and taught man, gave civilization to the kind of like primitive uh, early you know, humans that are evol- trying to evolve upward. So you had a highly evolved humans from a previous era come down and you have like, like a low level of like earth humanity who's striving to come up. And then they kind of meet in the middle ground with this mystery school and the initiates and everything. So the, the, the early Bodhisattvas raised the, the first initiates. 
Well, when this system, this system originally came about as like the first golden age was when this was first established. But then a mankind moves into this age of absence, like spiritual absence, and the, the spiritual teachers depart and they leave, kind of entrust this, this process to, to humanity uh, who is still not yet mature, still maturing. And humanity goes into this materialistic age. And that's, I think, the chemistry of factors that have to do with this kind of fall into uh, these evil kind of times that we've, we've been in for thousands of years. There's a certain pattern, overall, like astrological pattern to the whole thing. And, you know, in philosophy, there's ultimately like a pattern and purpose and like a destiny to it all that's pretty inspiring. But just overall, like looking at the landscape of the world, um, you know, especially at this current point, point in time, that's, that's one of the reasons why I spent so much time with so much passion, like doing this stuff with philosophy, because I feel like that is the key for each of us to navigate this situation in a way that's like spiritually enriching is to look at uh, not just people you know the evils in the world but like the opportunities that this moment provides us to like grow and to make a contribution and to you know right the wrongs of the past that's amazing i never really thought about how the the how philosophy is looked at as a byproduct of us trying to get back to that height of enlightenment and because sometimes you know, I'll be honest, you know, I've studied Nietzsche, I've studied Plato, I've studied all a bunch of different philosophies, Rene Descartes, uh, you have a, a bunch of different ones in there. And it sometimes it hurts my fucking head trying to wrap my mind around some of the ideas that they're trying to portray and bring forth. But is there, do you feel, because you, you mentioned about these egregores, that these emotional patterns that that emerge these projections of the dark self if you will uh, this is something that manly mm -hmm. Hall refers to as elementals where if a man is under some sort of depression you know these are self-fulfilled prophecies where and again this is where the aspect of magic really and, and the esoteric and the occult intrigue me where you have this possibility and not a possibility i know it's real where the mind can alter reality and time and at this quantum level where we are able to think think of things and make them manifest or whatever it is hence why we have elementals so when you are in a in a bad or dark state of mind it brings you down hence when people are diagnosed with a terminal illness or something they die quicker than before they knew about it because they start thinking about it to an extent to where they bring themselves down and to this negative aspect and this lower vibrational Mm -hmm. uh, type of thing and these elementals that emerge from again how you said the, the the collective consciousness where so you said these higher higher uh, conscious people you called them humans you said that they came so the, the aliens are humans just at a higher no, level of they're, they're, well they're in, in buddhism you call them in buddhism you call them bodhisattvas bodhisattvas yeah bodhisattva is a someone who uh the idea is is basically integrated with with reincarnation this idea that there's a there was an earlier cycle of existence in which a, an earlier form an earlier age of earth evolution like before our current age of, uh, uh and this is not even talking about land this is talking about like an overall cycle of existence of like our solar 
system that there was a previous solar system in which an earlier mm-hmm. humanity emerged and that beings in that earlier state evolved to a very high like spiritual state of attainment and that uh they are the ones who become the bodhisattvas who who kind of make a spiritual vow to come back and sort of offer themselves as the instruments of um I mean, I guess in, you see, you study Plato. So essentially, what they represent is the archetype. Mm-hmm. So they come back at, 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 and become embodied as the archetype at the very beginning of our solar system. So they become embodied as the archetype, and then as our solar system forms, it forms into that archetype. So they are here at the founding of it because they've come back to offer themselves as the model around which this. Uh, living uh, life that is the planet is forming and we're part of that life so we are are being made in the image of this um, of this uh, of these bodhisattvas which ultimately are one great in Buddhism we call them the, the human Buddha the, the Manushi Buddha but this is the entity that all religions like you know revere this is the divine man the archetype the you know the 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 Christ figure or or the buddha figure you know the archetypal human yeah the uber bench which is what what fucking nietzsche was talking about that's amazing because you know we do have these again that's why i said these stories of you have vishnu and 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 krishna and all the avatars and different the same entity Mm -hmm. but with different depictions with different forms you know one is the destroyer of worlds the other one is this other being you know what i mean you have these but then in all these stories you have either opposing cousins or opposing brothers or opposing factions within these stories so what is that about is that like the dark self of the one christ consciousness figure or how does that work because you see that throughout almost all religions as well Right. Well, you, you, you basically, uh, you know, the myths are, uh, are trying to talk about universal principles uh, in the form of, fi- of, of figures. But because they're universal principles, they become archetypal, me- meaning that they, like we were saying before, they become part of a pattern that gets built into the world as the world grows into existence. And uh, which I know it sounds abstract, but you can just kind of picture what I'm saying, uh, that the earth is evolving, but it's, it's also uh, kind of being guided into formation, I guess mm-hmm. you can say, mm-hmm. from above. There's like a bottom-up and a top-down mm-hmm. aspect to it. As above, so below. Um, I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, there's these, in, in this process of, of creation, there's, a, there's this uh, there's idea that all things are organized as a trinity or, or like a, 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 tr- a threefold pattern. And uh, this idea that there's a polarity is, is two of the elements of this threefold pattern or, or this idea that there's a yin and yang or a polarity. And so this manifests in different ways, but one of the ways it manifests, like we talked before, there's a, uh, there's a group of people who are evolved and there's a group of people who are evolving. So there's this polarity in humanity of ones you know, who represent the archetype and then there's the ones who are trying to evolve to become this archetype. And then there's also this polarity of solar and lunar um, which is uh, having to do with the the goddess principle and then the masculine principle and, and, the, and the chemistry between those uh, elements that are within each person. Um, and so these things kind of manifest 
manifest. These are archetypes that manifest uh, in the growth and evolution of human life through the emergence of these of the polarity, essentially the polarity between the church and state. You know, the one the church is like the is the one who, who attempts to kind of become receptive to you know a higher level of like spiritual instruction. And then the state is the one who has to act in the world to build, you know, build the kingdom. Uh, so that's the polarity. And so, you know, and, and myth. So I, I ultimately, I think when you have these stories, you're, you're either referring to, you know, uh, these stories are personifying the kind of larger universal polarities that emerge uh, involved with like the creation of the world. Uh, and or they're referring specifically to you know the the polarization of the psych collective psyche of mankind into different groups as it comes into uh, existence as humanity starts to evolve it becomes more complex and it does by polarizing in all kinds of different ways because it's interesting where the idea of i've never really thought about how what you're breaking you're blowing my fucking mind right now with all those things that you're talking about and this is why i wanted to have you on and this idea of atlantis because we've been led in in since i mean since i was a kid i mean you have disney movies about atlantis about it being a civilization a place you know el dorado you know these these golden cities these lost cities you so the people that, because you have the idea of Tartaria, right? I don't know if you know about Tartaria, where it's this global civilization that existed, and you know there was it was a bunch of different nodes around the world, and this is why you have this out of place architecture around the world, and it was a highly advanced civilization supposedly. Is that different than Atlantis, though, or part of it, or how does that fit in? It's well, that's the thing because. It kind of goes, I I, th- I consider it, because I, what I've always said is these ideas that we have, you know, Shambhala, Agartha, Atlantis, Tartaria, I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same point in time because it fits the narrative of, because the first one that we hear about. Well, Shamba- Shambhala is different. I'll say Shambhala is different. Although in some way you can say they're related because there's this idea this of the, higher state, this place of higher states of consciousness, you know, this enlightened right. place, you know, that it's like, where, well, where can you, where can you find it? Well, maybe it's in the hollow earth, you know, like maybe it's right. somewhere unattainable, you know, unattainable like this, but was it actual, like, was there a city of Atlantis or was there, or is that just another because you're what you're you're yeah, touching yeah, yeah. on something right, that's let me, let me that's, comment on it. You're touching on something that's blowing my fucking mind where you have the church and the state working together in conjunction, but is it in a conspiratorial type of way where they're doing this on purpose and they know they know their intentions in order to form that sort of utopia, right? Like this sort of uh, of experience for the person. Because we, you know, we're talking about filtering information, right? Because we, yeah. we talked about the West and the East, how they each have their own interpretations of the same stories, essentially. Well, the the West, the, I mean, the West kind of becomes the the builder, and the East becomes so the West becomes the state, essentially, and then the East preserves the religion, like oh, we we're saying, like oh. the the East preserves the so that kind of sun and moon polarity is 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 kind of manifest there. And, and Manny Hall even predicts 
it's that you know that it, you know the, the the future of religion will essentially be like asian and and character you know it'll be like a revitalization of it, of these principles of from from the that have been preserved in the east that have been concealed in the west almost to a point where to really appreciate them you have to go to the east rather than try to disambiguate you know freemasonry's you know cryptic symbolism you might as well just go to the east so in a, in a, in a way uh yeah i feel like that's what's going on but let me touch on touch on a couple of things um miru or not miru you said shambhala shambhala so i land so they're, they're kind of polarities in a way atlantis represents the past but the the, the idea there was a a golden age in the past but again as a previous age of humanity and then also um the fall so there's a karma associated with atlantis as well uh and then shambhala is really more about the the destiny the fulfillment things end in shambhala or the new jerusalem and that is uh associated with um not the physical earth but the higher metaphysical dimensions of the earth the aura the higher aura of the earth the the realm where the planet uh the the sort of like realm where the planet starts to interface with the solar consciousness so like the planetary consciousness interfaces with the solar consciousness it's it's also associated with the afterlife state um that you that 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 there's a that that's a common place that the, the sort of like heaven of of christianity and the western paradise of buddhism is connected with the the mystery of um shambhala as well and uh, i think part of like the the goal is to attain to a state of consciousness where you can be simultaneously awake and aware on this on this like uh terrestrial or the physical earth and then also on these high in the higher realms of like the earth's and solar atmosphere um so anyway that's shambhala and then atlantis so atlantis was a it's it's an it was a previous age and it was also the archetype of that previous age uh played itself out once more kind of in this in this current age um so let me let me say this is what manly hall teaches he says that uh the actual original atlantis was actually on before earth it was it was the thing that set the stage for the earth's unfoldment and then on earth that archetype was re-expressed as this prior world civilization of atlantis but again the humanity in that private world civilization was an earlier form of humanity but that whole dynamic exists because it is was re-expressing an archetype from a previous age but now the fulfillment of all of that the fulfillment of the idea that there was a previous atlanta a previous um age of the world that is not our physical world but uh, the previous version of it is when this atlantis saga kind of played out in human consciousness that the fulfillment of that, uh, the consequence of that age is the karma that leads to all the aspects of the fall. Um, but then in our age, the fulfillment of that comes with this idea of the attainment of a new golden age, which is actually associated with Shambhala and the idea that human consciousness at the end of this age evolves out of this materialistic mindset that is the karma of Atlantis, inheritance of our earlier 
cycle and it fulfills itself by reascending into this higher realm of consciousness that is associated with metaphysical dimension and that's how the new atlantis is established and that is shambhala and the east is called shambhala interesting because we have francis bacon writing about the new atlantis and i recently yeah that's the same thing it's the same it's a it's it's one place it's the invisible college it's uh called by him it's the um you know it's the home of the of the true rosicrucian brotherhood which again it's the the bodhisattvas it's the home of this this higher octave of humanity that exists as like the so there's another idea that that this is important that each human this idea of reincarnation that each of us exists according to this dynamic by which there's a higher self and a lower self and so this higher self is, is is like the seed of consciousness that exists, uh, uh, but it hasn't uh, been awakened to itself, but it exists uh, in potential in this higher metaphysical realm that we're talking about, this Shambhala, that it is actually, uh, the seat of our consciousness is actually there, and we are born and live a life in this world as a, a, as a deliberate extension of that consciousness into a human, an earth body, almost as like a type of meditation, in order to work out the thing that it's working out in its sort of cycle of existence. So that's how the dynamic works. This polarity we were talking about earlier, that this actually happens in human life psychologically in terms of the idea there's a central self, that's the universal self that each of us are connected to. Uh, you know, we're all collected to collectively, but each has our own individual connection to it. And it's that universal self that is enthroned in this higher uh, dimension of the earth that interfaces with the sun and, um, and so this is the, this is, this is, this is like the secret, this is like the, the, the core worldview of this esoteric system is this idea that, you know, the physical earth is um, a lower octave of a more uh, like spiritual realm, which is actually the true home of the human, the human race. And that we all actually do exist in this home and we, kind of reincarnate on earth through this process of extension of consciousness into form. And in the afterlife state, afterlife state, the consciousness is withdrawn from the form back into the seed, the spiritual seed, and uh, it remains there until the next lifetime. And then the bodhisattva state is, a, is achieved. That is the ultimate destiny that we were talking about earlier. That's achieved finally when the, um, when the bridge of connection is, is formed between the two. So it's opened. And I feel like that's how Manly Hall does what he does is because he has a certain t- degree that that door is open. So he's able to, to talk for two hours because he's able to draw information from his higher, you know, spiritual well, well, self. So this idea of, because it's very, it's very platonic. It's very neoplatonic. And, and Plato mm-hmm. was obviously the one that introduced the idea of the demiurge, even though it's been talked about before where there's this central figure controlling all of reality and you have people such as an Examander and Exagoras, these Greek philosophers that talked about these higher states of being, how this world is a reflection of a more divine realm. And, but the problem with that, like as uh, that I've been looking at as of recently, because again, the idea of Atlantis being very platonic or neoplatonic, 
that it diminishes our realm, our world right now. It, it diminishes it to where, you know, as, you know, as Christians, I was again, raised Pentecostal Christian as a Christian, you're preparing for the afterlife. A lot of these religions, you know, the ancient Egyptians, they wanted, they were all about the afterlife, like, you know, going on the Nordics, they wanted to go to Asgard or whatever the fuck it was called. We're in Midgard and, they want to call, I think it was cross the rainbow river, the rainbow, the rainbow bridge into Asgard or whatever the other realm was. It's always like they diminish and demean our, our level of existence, uh, diminishing the, the world, you know, physical reality. Uh, that's what I don't, not that I don't like about it, but I've noticed right. that pattern as well. And I don't know if that's intentionally done in order to push these other separate beliefs of, Hey, you know, like the church, it's a, it's a brokered experience now. So in order to achieve divinity, you have to go through us. You know what I mean? Like it's a, how you said the West has become this, this other, an amalgamation of like, you know, wanting power through what, through freedom of expression and religion and all this shit. But then you have the East where it's like, nah, dude, we're like in the rawest form possible. And we're still preaching, the same shit we were preaching, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, ultimately I, I feel like the, the thing to be achieved uh, hasn't been born yet, which is like the grand synthesis between the two. Um, and, and that's like kind of what we, the thing we should be striving for today. But on, on, on uh, your point, I agree with you that, uh, especially in the past, I feel like there was two, in Egypt, it seems like this is the case in Egypt. That's like all you do is talk about the afterlife state, state, like as if the only purpose is to live for the afterlife state. Afterlife state, excuse me. And I, so yeah, I the agree with experience. you on that sense. You don't want to diminish the um, the purpose that we're all here for. Yeah, the human experience. But I do think it is important to properly orient orient the human experience, and uh, and and. And actually, we were talking about Taoism earlier. I love the way that it's uh, talked about in Taoism, and or particularly the way Manly Hall talks about it. He says that um, there's this idea of the way of heaven, that, you, that the, the way of philosophy or the way of Tao, Taoism is to uh, follow the way of heaven, which is the idea, and, and this gets to alchemy as well, is the idea that there, there's this polarity between the planets and the elements. And so the body, the physical body, or the physicals, uh, the the lower self you could say the the bodily soul um, is associated with the elements of alchemy and then the planets are uh, you know obviously associated with astrology and the planets Im- take in ener- the energy from the sun or the solar life and they uh, they specialize it and they manifest it into earth and they do so through particular resonances or connections that they have with the um the elements in the body so you'll see you know in astrology that each planet is associated with a different element mm-hmm. and each zodiac sign is also associated with a different element and so that there's this there's this alchemy uh that's underneath the surface of astrology and so um the so it's, it's a sort of alchem- uh, astrology is a sort of alchemical process in itself yeah yeah we're talking about um we're talking about Taoism and the way of heaven. And so, yeah, the, the thing I think is important about the, this whole afterlife and the, the idea of metaphysics and the, the idea that 
you know, there's a higher self and a lower self, all of that is to, is to emphasize the point, um, and it's a profound point for our civilization to learn, uh, which is that the lower self is intended to follow the higher self or um, the higher self is called the anima a lot of times, like in, in, in platonic philosophies, it's the anima, it's the, an, an, the soul uh, on the anima level, the feminine soul is the spiritual soul. And then the masculine soul is the one that's expressing itself here on earth, this lower self. And the idea is that the lower or the, the animus is supposed to follow the anima. And that's the way of heaven. And uh, it's also the way of alchemy because to, in order to accomplish, you know, the ends of alchemy, you have to be able to harness the energies of the planets and that's sort of the balancing that you're trying to do is you're trying to, uh, at, at any given day, as your horoscope changes, as the planetary energies, the chemistry changes, you have to continually be responsive to the way that those energies are manifesting within you and also in your outer life, outer circumstances. Yeah, dude. And as we're coming to a close here, we've had all types of technical issues today. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. No, you're good. I out like I said. Next time I'll I'll patch you through the the roadcaster and we'll do a phone call instead. Because like I said, I really like your material and I feel like there's so much more we can get into. But obviously with the whole connection issues and shit, uh, yeah, kind of sure. holding us back. Yeah. Can you can you share with us like what is you know to wrap up? What is the craziest thing that you've out of all the things you've read about Manly, his material and his lectures? Like, what's the craziest thing that you've learned from him? Like, what's your one, there's one subject that he talks about that just, you know, makes your nipples hard, bro. Like, what is it? <laughs> um, wow. Well, I mean, the, 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 the thing that I'm would really like to figure out is the, um, the right way to do like the astrology and to be able to like like master it on that level so i and, and that's something that he you know he does an amazing job giving you the essentials but like the secrets like the keys he's very like aloof about like he'll just scatter a little bit here and there but like he's not really putting it out and uh so it's still up to the student i think at this point there hasn't been anybody who's like really revealed the whole system so that that seems to me to be still the the um the grail to achieve you know for like us uh, who are interested in this field is to figure out like the true pattern of the whole like uh astrological system because if you if you can figure that out that's how you can establish the new myth you know like the the modern uh the, the sort of like the birth of of, of whatever the, the future religion is going to be it's going to have to be based on on a, a scientific sort of like understanding of nature and, and, and a way of studying the universe but it has to also fit in with these principles of philosophy and all these mystical concepts uh by which you can kind of like go into uh you know meditation and and and, and confirm these discoveries so that it has to work both ways we have to be able to explain you know the night sky in, in, in a in a way that like Manly Hall talks about with astrotheology so the key is like can we figure out the astrotheology can we figure out the the, the real system of like how it works so that we can model, you know, model our new mythology on it. And also that's how we, we can, we can rediscover what the ancient like method was to attain the, the great initiations that the mystery schools once had is, is if, you, if you can, if you can re put together that system on that level of detail where you, we're talking about the planets and the fixed stars and the great cycles of time, 
and how, how all those energies manifest, you know, through the planets, into the earth, into the human body. You know, that's the, for me, that's the ultimate uh, attainment because at that point you're marrying science and religion and, and philosophy. And that's, to me, that's like, that's the goal. That's the standard of our age is to make this synthesis. Yes. So I, w- I would say anything of his on that, on that, on that level, you know, uh, is what I'm like, you know, keeps me, keeps me going at it. Long, long hours, man. Long hours at it. Yeah. The, the occult sciences and to wrap up here, can you plug your social media once more for the listeners at home? And uh, I want to do this again, man, because I know you have a yeah, lot of stuff. Yeah, that you, anytime. You're good at. Can you plug your information again? I got to figure out. out? I got to figure out my internet internet situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me on again, Juan. Um, yeah, uh, alexsacken.com, A-L-E-X-S-A-C-H-O-N.com has links to everything. Uh, uh, but my main thing I go by is the wisdom tradition. So uh, if you search that uh, on YouTube or on podcast, you'll find me. So yeah, thank you very much again for having me on. Definitely, Alex. Thank you so much, man. I'll have you on again soon. Let's see. All right, peace, brother. Hopefully this thing times out. Yeah, take it easy, bro. We'll talk soon. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.